Hi, and welcome to the Your Good News podcast with me, Catherine Getty. It's easy to believe the news around us that the world is dark and the future is the same. But what if we chose something different? What if we chose to find the good news in each day? This podcast is a collection of interviews with friends, mentors, colleagues on their good news. From business to health to politics and everything in between, it's my hope that you leave with a boost and find your good news. I feel like I say this every episode, but it was truly an honor to have my next guest on. I first met Chris Winkleman, today's guest, while working together at a national party committee. Chris served as general counsel while there. He was a senior leader. He was a model for how I hope to show up each day. He showed up with a positive mindset and an example of true leadership. Chris shares his experience, his mindset, and we talk about how he applied this, both professionally and personally. Without further ado, my interview with Chris Winkleman. Guys, welcome back. I am so excited to have you. I couldn't be more pumped for this next conversation. Chris Winkleman, I like to start every conversation the same way. What is your good news today? Hey, Catherine. Thanks so much for having me. This is uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Good news right now in my life is I have my wife and I have the most amazing four month old baby boy right now, and he he's our first, and he's absolutely every little bit of our waking and sleeping life right now. It's just uh, super exciting. I can't wait to talk more about that because I feel like there's so much to unpack there. Little nugget, little bundle of joy, and I'm just thrilled to not only delve into your past experiences and how you show up, but also kind of talk about how you apply them in your daily life, both professionally and personally. I think you have a lot to share on that. So to set the stage, we first met in 2016 during trigger warning, a very tough election. And we were working in a national party committee where the balance of power sometimes felt like it was in our hands. Probably, I don't know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. We can debate that another day. But that sort of pressure can breed a lot of negativity, a lot of kind of that bad juju energy. (laughs) But I was always struck by, as a senior leader of the organization, I never felt like you were bringing any negative into the conversation. You were always showing up really in a like thoughtful way when a lot of people were very stressed and probably not doing the nicest things. We We won't name names. I'd love to kind of start with that of, how did you kind of come to that? I know that that's not like a day, you know, you start one day and that happens. How did you kind of develop that positivity or that mindset? And I, you know, positivity is pretty broad. How'd you develop that mindset to get through tough times? Well, it's really good to hear you describe it that way, because I think people get a perception about working politics as part of this machine. And you forget that these are actually people who come to every day with different experiences. And you, you're you right, that was um, a, a difficult cycle. I guess they're all difficult in their own way. But there are lots and lots of people who work in politics professionally, and they all come to life with different experiences. And there are some sharp elbows for sure. It's definitely a territory guarding exercise for a lot of people who do this professionally. I think the people that make it the longest are the ones who worry less about their territory and more about achieving their objective, which is winning. And if I found that I had the greatest success and the greatest joy in doing this job when I was able to sit down and talk to the people that I work with and figure out who they are and not just 
what they do at a committee, but who they are. And that helps them succeed in their job and helps us all focus on winning. There's so many things that you're that we can unpack. Um, you know, I think it's talking to understand versus talking to hear a lot of times in DC. And I think that this can be said for a lot of a lot of experiences for people across the country is people just hear things and they interpret it one way and don't take that next step of really asking for clarification. So it sounds like that's something that you've really tried to do and really tried to bring to your experiences. And I have always thought that DC is kind of somewhere in between Veep and House of Cards, more so Veep. (laughs) What has been your experience with like the sharp elbows you reference, you know, how have you kind of navigated those sharp elbows and not kind of letting it ruffle your feathers? Well, I think focusing on long-term helps tremendously and then just trusting the people that are around you. So if you go into every uh, relationship and conversation, assuming that that person is out to screw you over or jump in your lane, make you look bad, you're never you're never actually going to develop any real relationships with people. So if you can trust in the people around you until they give you a reason not to trust them, and at that point, you can be a bit of a political animal. But before that, I think you just have to trust that there are good people around you. and We're all trying to achieve the same thing. Uh, so it doesn't have to be as much of a territory guarding exercise as some people make it out to be. Yeah, and I think with the trust part, I I feel like often in D.C. people don't trust before they trust. So that probably for a lot of people is a different approach of you coming in and say basically and it's not even you saying it verbally. Like I always felt like you knew I was there to do a job and you were going to, you know, I was going to offer an idea and you were going to say, okay, this is my perspective on it versus I think oftentimes in D.C. gets the narrative that it's like one person deciding things. So it's nice to hear that there can be a trust. And I think that that can be applied to a lot of different situations. Yeah. I think if somebody's talking to you in their professional capacity and they've come to you to ask for some help, there's a reason for that. They're trying to do a good job at what they're doing. So rather than spend an hour or two hours or however long it's going to be trying to figure out what angle they're working or who they might Mm -hmm. actually be trying to work for or against, you could just solve the problem with that person and you would save yourself and them a ton of time and, and pain. I always felt like it was like coming from a place of yes versus coming from a place of no. Like we all know those people in our lives that come from no from the beginning. How have you like had to navigate those sorts of experiences? Are there any advice you would give to people about coming from a place of yes? Well, I think if you come from a place of no as a lawyer, you're not likely to get hired very often. Uh, it's just a, that's the cold reality of it. Yeah, <laughs> it is infinitely easier to say for someone to bring you a problem and for you to ingest that problem and then go, I don't think you can do that. Than it is to say, well, tell me how how this problem got started. Tell me how you built this this relationship, this machine, whatever it is, and I am going to sit with you and help you figure out how to make this work. In other words. I'm going to figure out how to get to yes. Let's find yeah. a way to make this work rather than just say this this enterprise is dead from the jump. Yeah, I mean, I think it's understanding that people come from different experiences. It's knowing that you got to trust your team and come from a place of like, you know, people are probably going to make mistakes or people are going to come with their own agendas, but trusting that it's coming with good intentions, which is, I feel like, harder and harder these days. 
but I've always appreciated appreciated that, you know, legal minds sometimes come from a place of no. So I would love to hear, you know, this was, I didn't include this in the pre-show prep, but what was one of your favorite legal experiences with election law? I mean, I feel like there's so many probably interesting ones. I don't know if you can talk about them. Sure. Well, every, every recount or canvas that I've been involved in has been an incredibly unique experience because yeah. it, it is, and again, this is a misperception about politics, a recount or a canvas, a counting of the votes or a recounting of the votes is an entirely local process. And hmm. in order to do that, you cannot fly in to wherever it is from DC and say, I'm from DC, I'm here to help. That generally isn't well received. You have to understand who the people are that run the system on the local level. And you have to understand who the activists are that move people around at the local level. And you have to effectively build a team right around you or more accurately fit yourself into an existing team if there is one. Yeah. And that has always been that, that's always it's been the most fun because it involves the most people. It, it, and it's challenge after challenge after challenge, minute to minute. I mean, that sounds like so fascinating. And I think it's given the last few elections, it has probably been even more fascinating to kind of delve into. And I think to your point, you know, D.C. gets a pretty bad rap. You know, you were I shared in the bio that you are from the, the D.C. area. What would you love for people to know a little bit more about people that live here, work here? Well, I'm a bit of a stereotype in that I I'm from here and then I work in politics. <laughs> that is kind of what you think everybody is that's from here. But, you know, my family didn't come up in politics in any way, shape or form. And most of the folks I grew up with are in no way involved in politics. The DC is a much bigger city with surrounding areas than, than people give it credit for. It's taken on a shorthand for everything that's wrong with America. <laughs> you know, those politicians at Washington. Well, let's not forget about all the other amazing people in DC. We've got great food. We've got awful, awful sports teams that will rip <laughs> your heart out of your chest every single year. They, but, the Nationals, you know, they won us a World Series. Yeah, I've adopted the World, and, but then they've and, then and they've the tanked. The Stanley Cup. Yes. Oh yeah, that uh, <laughs> it, it immediately dropped. But the the last couple of years have been a lot better. Most of my sports watching life has been pretty rough. Yeah. My dad is actually from the DC area. Grew up, I think, right outside of the city. He's probably Uh, a Sanders fan. He and he was a Washington he's a Washington football fan still. So I'm like, you're you're really gonna hold on to that one. Okay. I mean You have to. You have to. Yeah. But I think it's a good point. I think it's a good reminder. You know, the reason I asked you the show is a good reminder that sometimes our perception, uh I would say clouds or informs how we kind of show up for people. And so it's a good reminder, may it be about DC or may it be about a situation you're facing to kind of take a layer back and maybe give those people trust the people a little bit more. I love DC. I've lived here eight years. That's just, you know, I think another little fun fact about DC. Well, well, my wife said something that was really important to me a couple of years ago. She was talking about being riding to work on the Metro one morning when she was having a hard time in her life and somebody was a jerk to her and she just thought, you know, you just don't, you have to appreciate that everybody is in a different place every day. Yeah. And whether you, you like stepped in a puddle on your way to the train 
or you didn't bring a warm up jacket or whatever, or there's 700 people trying to cram into one metro car. Let's <laughs> not talk about that. And, it's and, triggering. Yeah. It's triggering and you, and you have to wait three car, for three cars to come to get on. <laughs> you're just angry and you're frustrated everybody around you. I do this myself, so it's easier said than done. But you really do, before you lash out at someone around you, you should take a minute. It, what is Maybe this person is dealing with something in their life yeah. today that really sucks. Maybe they're yeah. having just a really rough day and you're just trying to get to work. So I try to remember that when I'm in traffic. It's Not hard. Right. And the DC traffic is just sometimes soul crushing. You're like, it's going to take seven lights to get through this one intersection. Yeah, it's not awesome. <laughs> but I think it's it's a good reminder that, you know, we got to give people a little bit more grace. I feel like we've become, and this is my personal opinion, society that's really harsh on one another and just thinks that everyone's out to get each other. And I'm like, I don't think that everyone's out to get one another. Maybe that's why I created this podcast. I don't know. We talk about that another day. I think it's um, a great point, Catherine. And, and I'm glad you did it because you do have to give people grace. It's a really good expression. I think it's a hugely important thing to hold on to. And it, I can't stress this enough. I am saying this right now, but I know it's easier said than done. Oh, 100%. More, time, yeah, more, more times I fail in that than, than I succeed in that. But it's important to keep that somewhere in your mind. Well, and I think that that sort, that kind of coming from that perspective, like if it's in your mind, you're going to come from that place more often than not versus a place of like cutting someone off in traffic. I'm not going to say that I don't cut people off in traffic. Sometimes you just have to kind of get through that intersection. But I try as much as I can to like let people in. Like, don't be that person that doesn't let people in. That's a... Maybe that's what I'm going to title this podcast. You don't know, let people in. Um, (laughs) That's a lot. I actually have a little sidebar here. So a couple of years ago, I was driving home from work. I was driving way too aggressively and I cut someone off at an intersection while they were trying to make a left-hand turn. And they just absolutely went nuts on me. And we had a little back and forth. And Which is terrifying. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it it was not a great scene. It was not a proud moment. I found out later that evening that that was actually a friend of mine was actually a friend and we, we completely <laughs> randomly happened to get in like a little road rage incident <laughs> and we were just friends and, and we're good friends. It still comes up from time to time. Wait, how did you realize, were y'all just like talking about, God, I got this terrible road rage. <laughs> like, Well, so it was a buddy of mine. It's his now wife. And I think I, you know, I might've texted him when I got home and I was like, Hey, was, uh, was, was she just driving on uh, Jeff Davis highway? <laughs> Because I, I feel like she looked a little bit like your wife. You're like, I yeah. just checking, just checking it out. Yeah. Just yeah. curious. Just checking because I just had a road rage incident and I'm pretty sure it involved your wife. You know, the positive in that is at least it was someone you knew versus someone you didn't. Yeah. And now we can remind each other of it. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good reminder. <laughs> but, you know, I think all of this kind of sets up the another conversation of like, this is talked about your kind of your foundation of, and I've said it before, you know, trusting people, listening to people really coming from a place of trying to understand their perspective, um, recognizing that people come with different experiences too. I mean, may that be the puddle or the jacket, or they had a different view on a situation, but I think all that foundation really sets up, you know, professionally and personally big changes recently. And you mentioned your good news is your bundle of joy. How has that kind of mindset impacted or has it changed with the recent addition? 
it certainly tested that. But <laughs> I'm sure that like two AMs it tested it. Right. It's the most interesting thing, and there's all these trite expressions that people say about becoming a parent. And and you've heard all of them and they're all true. But what is also true is that it's really, really, really difficult. And and not enough people I think talk about how Mm-mm. difficult it is. So while you're experiencing this euphoria, and it really is, it's this incredible euphoria about every minute of every day is better and the sun is brighter and colors Aww. are brighter. You know, all that stuff. That All that stuff that you hear is so true. But you know what else is also true is that it's really, really, really hard and you are constantly <sighs> asking yourself if you're doing the right thing and if you're molding this human being into the right kind of human being. And I think we should, uh, speaking of giving each other grace, You have to give your spouse grace in that time. You have to give the people around you grace in that time and give yourself a little bit of grace because you're not going to do it right every single time. You're going to miss, you're just going to miss some stuff. So it's a real conflicting period where everything's perfect and everything's terrible at the same time. (laughs) Well, and I think, you know, I've heard like my experience, I've had friends who've, you know, had babies recently and my brother talking about it. It's like, it is such a conflicting time, but I appreciate that now we're actually having the conversation of like, yo, this is actually hard. And anyone who says otherwise is lying straight to your face because I think the whole, it's like, Oh, you have a baby. It's going to be great. And we're like, no, you have a human that you have to raise and make sure becomes a functioning member of society. We, I thought that having a child in my late thirties would actually be the best possible scenario because, you know, I've got I've got my expenses pretty well set. I kind of know what the day to day looks like. Yeah. And and life is pretty set and steady. Stable, yeah. Yeah, but it turns out when you're in your late thirties, you're also pretty selfish. <laughs> you've got you've got some stuff that you really like to do, and it's mostly about you and this little bundle of joy. This little awesome little man has no interest in that <laughs> at all. So, He's like, I'm hungry, yo. Yeah, and in some ways, I think it, 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 I'm not sure what it would be like to have a child at a younger age, um, but I know for sure it's, it's a difficult thing at any age. But having our son in my late 30s has been, it's allowed me to bring some perspective to it. I'm just thankful for it yeah. every day in a way yeah. that I'm not sure I would have been. It just kind of happened when I was yeah. You're now terrifying me because I'm on that late 30s trajectory. So we can put a pin in this wonderful. conversation. Yeah. I mean, it's a wonderful spot to be anytime you have a child. I think it, it is a life changer. It is a, it is a force multiplier in your life. You will yeah. feel 10 times stronger at the same time that you're testing yourself in ways you never thought possible. With daily experiences now, do you feel like it's coloring and giving yourself more grace and giving yourself like wanting to come come from a different place or is this positive mindset kind of sometimes you're like, I really just need you to not ask me for the 18th time. Same question. Or is it like a 50, 50, or is it a day by day? How do you kind of navigate? Yeah. I think it's day by day. There are certainly some days where, you know, there are times in my life where I didn't sleep the night before because I had work or whatever. And yeah. um, And I, it came into the next day equally stressed, but it is about being in the moment when you're when you're working or talking to your partner or whatever it may be and whether you're exhausted or elated you can still just care about what that person's bringing to that conversation yeah i think it's i think it's also something that we 
you brought up a point. It's like we talk a lot about, you know, obviously having this new bundle is so exciting, but like navigating your probably interpersonal relationships has sometimes got to be a little difficult or has changes a little bit. Have you seen any changes or has it kind of impacted how you show up for yourself and others? Well, I would start at home and I would say first and foremost, I try as hard as I can to support my wife. She's a phenomenal. She's a rock star. She is so awesome. (laughs) I'm so, so lucky that, that she is going to help raise this amazing little guy. And so I try to be there for her every day as much as I possibly can be, but I of course fall short in that sometimes and being fully supportive. It's just hard, you know, in some ways it, it makes, it provides me good perspective for when I'm having a bad day, Yeah. but I've only been at this for four months. So I'm kind of new in the thing. And I'm sure there are going to be some days where, where that perspective still won't save a, a rainy day. But I think it's, it's just a good call out. I feel like, because may it be, you know, a new baby, or maybe it's a new, you know, family member is going through an issue and you're trying to navigate it or, you know, whatever that situation is, it's taking a moment to kind of stop and realize that, which is hard. Like I've recently gone through it. It's really hard sometimes when you're like, I just need you to be participatory in this. But it's a good reminder that we got to come from as much as we can giving people grace. This kind of takes us back to what we were talking about at the party committee. I was very fortunate in that job to be able to, to get to know the people I worked with. And if, if we were having a conversation about an issue in their professional or personal life, I always felt like it was easy for me to stop whatever I was doing and just get into their life, try to figure out where you are right now. And, and that way, whatever mindset you're in at that moment, or I'm in at that moment, it's so much easier to just step out of that and focus on the other person than it is to simultaneously process. Here's what I'm dealing with right now. And also I'd like to help you. It's just, just put yourself aside for a little bit. And it actually, I think provides you some mental health. It gives you a little break from yourself be with someone else for a minute, give yourself a break. Well, it's like meeting people where they are like so often where we have, I know I'll say, I'll speak for myself. It's like, sometimes we're like, we expect people to understand where we're coming from. And so it's, it sounds like it's a good reminder that we need to like meet people where they're at and reminder that sometimes they're like just having a really awful day (laughs) or they're having a great day and you're having an awful day it's a reminder too, that we can hold two emotions at once. I think sometimes we're maybe I'm going to say the Royal, we have, we were taught to focus on one thing at a time, but I'm like, emotions are like messy, messy buggers. That's my (laughs) two cents on that one. That's a good, that's a good pull quote too. I like that. (laughs) What other advice would you tell a soon to be parent? I think this is a fun question. Is this like expecting unexpected? Expect you to be really hard. I would say have patience with all the people who want to give you advice about how to be a parent because everybody has some piece of advice about how you're going to be, uh, you know, what, what's going to be your biggest challenge and all that. And everybody's trying to be helpful. There's no doubt about that, but you know, be patient with that and then be patient with your spouse, be patient with your child. I mean, for goodness sakes, it sounds so easy to say that, but they are so demanding and, and it's really hard to stay in the moment, every moment, with yeah. someone who depends on you completely for everything. That's slightly terrifying. <laughs> not at all. No, no, it's not terrifying at all. It's just, it's just that I think 
I honestly believe people don't talk honestly about what it's like having babies. No. I think it's like the whole spectrum of it, like from it being difficult for so many families to it being easy to, you know, to having a baby unexpected, like whatever it is, we don't talk about it as a society and it's not a dirty secret, but it's almost like we just are like, it's fine. I'm like, it's not fine. It can be many emotions. Yeah, it can be many emotions. And and and, And the reason that I think it's so great to talk about this is because with kids, whatever the end result of talking about all those emotions is, is a really, really happy thing. At the end of that road is this totally amazing and happy focal point, which is the child. So, you know, I have no problem talking about the the realities of it and the fact that it's difficult and owning up to the fact that sometimes I fall short of being a great dad. I'm only four months into this thing. I mean, shoot. (laughs) Hey, you're figuring it out. Right. I feel like there's no baby book what my friends have told me is there's no baby book that fully prepares you to like bring that, bring your nugget home and be like, okay, well it's now go. And you're like, what does that mean? Yeah. It's a bit of information overload with all the books that are out there. Now, every time something it goes wrong, I just Google it and I get 10 of probably the worst possible <laughs> things I could be reading. <laughs> I am grateful for like how doctors now you can like FaceTime them. I feel like that would be helpful with babies. I don't know, but I, that's my guess is like, is this, like, is this normal? I'm, is this I'm okay? holding, I'm holding my phone over as if it was holding it over a baby. Yeah. It seems like that should help. You're, you're right. I should get the, I should get a little <laughs> man on zoom to figure out why he's not sleeping through the night. Come on, buddy. <laughs> you know, there's probably some baby sleep agent. I don't know. There's like something for everything now these oh, yeah. days. There's a whole industry behind it for sure. On baby oh, sleep. We can talk about that another day. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's good news though. Well, anything else we want to cover? I feel like we've like, I mean, from setting a strong team to trusting your team, to listening to one another, to giving people grace, to letting those life moments, you know, set up. And even when you feel like you fall short, just being consistent and showing up the next day, you've given a lot to the listeners. Anything else you want to share? I think we have this conversation about being a good person and how you might be a better person. And I'm super self-aware of myself while having this conversation. And I think people should hear that I'm also a realist. I'm also very much, if you were to meet me on the street, you would not say, oh, look at that bubbly, positive human being. He's just, oh my gosh, he just, uh, you know, seeds energy. (laughs) But but I think we should all accept the fact that being positive, uh, taking care of the people around you is not the easiest thing in the world to do. But 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 we're all capable of doing it, and and if we do it just a little bit every day, we're we're being good people. Man, mic drop. Let's leave this world a little bit better tomorrow, guys. I am so glad you got to hear Chris's perspective and good news today. It was so awesome having him on. If you liked, please share, review, subscribe. It helps this little engine that could grow. And join us next week for another episode of the Your Good News Podcast.